Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. Yeah. Are you a guest host today? (laughs) Maybe. I think maybe you're guest hosting. Yeah. I feel like that feels more right. Yeah. So, like, just now I was, um, you were making coffee and and you were making coffee at my house and I was explaining... Um, how to do it. And so how do I talk about it? Explain it to me. Well, I don't know. I just, I have this uh, memory of one of the first times that I made coffee at your old place. And um, I feel like you sort of, you explained it so sweetly that the first time. Okay. And then I didn't remember how to do it like the second time. Okay. And I kind of messed up the coffee, I think, and I felt really really bad for The second time is way in the past. The second time is not today. Oh, right? no, no. The second time was it was like what, 9 months ago or yeah. something. No. No. <laughs> okay. No, I don't think so. I don't have any concept of time yeah. anymore. No, that's that's fine, but It was a while ago. It was a mm-hmm. long time ago. Second time you think you maybe messed it up. And Keep I going. felt so I just felt so it made me feel so tiny and I felt like I feel like coffee in a in a relationship of any kind, like where you care about someone like in a workplace when you make a pot of coffee for the whole team, you really want that to be a delicious pot of coffee for everyone to enjoy, of course. Like, you know, mm-hmm. unless you hate all your coworkers and you want them to yeah. eat dirt when they're drinking your cup of coffee. But um, I just feel like it's it's such a an act of, like, okay, I, I care about you having energy throughout our next interaction. I care about you enjoying this warm, comforting thing. And... um. Yeah, it's it's a it's a drug and a love language. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um we all gather around the pot to shoot yeah. up. Um but I don't know. I guess I already feel so insecure about it. So I think that I'm sort of a prideful person and I get kind of defensive when I don't remember how to do things. And I I completely forgot how to use your special <laughs> contraption mm-hmm. that a I chemix pour over it's is what so we're talking pretty about no it's beautiful okay. and i want one and i just felt embarrassed and then you you did come over and um kind of explain it in a slightly maybe passive aggressive or like that's not the right word condescending mm. manner okay now you're talking you're still talking about the second time you no, I'm coffee. talking about right now. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because you were talking about the second time. Yeah, and I so feel like I messed it up. So the first time I explained it really sweetly. Yeah. And the second time you messed it up. Yeah. What happened that second time? I think I had to like throw it away, and you were probably still asleep. Okay. I think I, I like had to waste your coffee beans, okay. and yeah, I don't know that I ever told you about my failed mm-hmm. coffee experience. And then today, how do I explain how to make it? Just, just a little bit, with some condescension in, yeah, in your tone. That's yeah. how I interpreted it. But also, it's also I don't know. I feel like we have this rapport where, like, I'm not really taking anything personally that you say, and it's mm. sort of I can't. That's such an over generalization and not true at all. I take a lot mm. of what you yep. say personally. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I can when I'm in person with you, I mm-hmm. can much more easily tell if you have respect 
for me in an interaction. Okay. <laughs> and in this case, I didn't um, feel slighted other than from your tone of voice. So that's why I was sort of laughing about it. Now it feels kind of you ridiculous. Didn't, you <laughs> I didn't feel slighted except for my tone of voice. Yeah. So you did feel slighted by my tone of voice. A little bit. Jesus. I'm really, really I'm really insecure. I'm really like... Why? Just right now. I'm... Yeah, yeah no other time, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, insecure. I think that it's it has to do with this big work thing I'm doing right now, mm -hmm. which is really... I'm putting on a film festival... And I'm sort of like maybe the third most important person in putting it on. Mm -hmm. I'm getting all these volunteers to make it happen. Like more than 400 volunteers filling like over 700 shifts. It's it's crazy. And I can't stop thinking about it. Like every waking moment, I'm just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of reasons for that. Like I think I'm prone to workaholism. I think that I um, sort of base my whole sense of self on my work. And who would we be if we didn't have to work? Do you feel like you ever got to sort of explore that in your 20s when yeah, you were in China? Yes, and it was much, much worse. Yeah. Much, 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 much worse. Not having a work identity was... For as bad as how the, you know, white Protestant work ethic, capitalism, for as bad as like the soullessness of it, you develop like a work persona of professionalism and sanding down all your sharp edges and just like being this fakey person. All of that, the, all of the problems with that, for all of that, is, what that is, it's like, it's still much worse to just be to just have a little bit of enough money to just be who you really are or want to be or think you want to be outside of work and to just be that, it's just much worse. Why? I don't know. We really just need parenting and a job is really just like, it's you kind of parenting yourself. Yeah. There's like a self-parenting component to it. There's something that resonates there, but... But it's like being like a sanded down fakey work persona is kind of like eating your vegetables. Is that right? I feel like I would be disciplined enough to enjoy not having the constraints of just the workplace that I have to be in day to day. There's a part of me that just wishes I had a rich uncle who could just mm. pay for me and my family members to just relax for a little bit don't mm -hmm. you feel feel like that's kind of like a universal feeling of working class and lower middle class people right yes but that feeling is one of the few things that i've moved on from where like i know like that feeling to me is like a two, like it has two sides that coin and the other side which is a real side of like where what you sit in is like you always just end up at this like very very large coffee table that's just absolutely full of stuff, 
like just empty glassware and ashtrays. And it's like you have this blanket over you and you have terrible posture. And you're just like, there's just so many, everything is an ashtray. Like every, no. people are just ashing cigarettes on everything <laughs> on this massive coffee table. You don't table. smoke cigarettes anymore. No, I don't. I was going to bring you one cigarette today. But... I have such a desire to smoke a cigarette. And we're probably going to go to the gas station and get cigarettes after this. Like American spirits. Mm. It's like some lessons are so hard to learn. <laughs> cigarettes. I, when I actually smoked them, I hate it. But that, that lesson does not stick. No. And the other one is the one I just told you about. What did I just tell you about? <laughs> uh, wait, what? Once a year in a grocery store, <laughs> I see a Quest protein bar. Oh, okay. And I look at it and I'm like, damn, that looks good. It looks like it's going to be chewy and moist and like really hard and like really deep double chocolate, really like dark chocolate, but really like chewy. And once a year, I buy a Quest protein bar hmm. and then I take the wrapper off. I take one bite and it's just so Dunder Mifflin <laughs> and it's so nanotechnology, like in a lab, they found a way to get a cardboard box to mate with a, <laughs> you know? Yeah. One of those really big tubs of oh, yeah. protein powder Ooh. that belongs to one of those guys that, like, doesn't vote, but if they voted, they would vote for the wrong guy. Oh, God. Yes. Mated with a cardboard box. That's wow. what things taste like. And then I remember that, and now I know it. Here we are. But, um, so, um... It's the coffee thing is funny because like one of my big things at work right now is that we have this upcoming complicated event where all the guests are really, really knowledgeable people. Like they're all chefs and sommeliers and, and industry people. And because of that, we can't fake it at all. Everyone has to know the food and the beverage that we're serving extremely well. So I've written these like pages and pages about everything that will be served. And I sit down one-on-one -on -one with everyone who's going to be there and I just grill them mm. and I just talk through it. And I'm like, okay, this is a wine. It's from Cote de Bruy. That's a, an AOC in the middle of Bruy. Cote means slopes. That's the southern part of Beaujolais. Beaujolais is south of Burgundy. And I just like have this voice. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, I'm, it, there's so many meta levels going on there because mm -hmm. I'm trying to teach them just actual information. But then at the same time, I'm trying to learn how to talk to them in a way where they don't hate me. Mm. And I just wish that there was a third person in the room that could just stop me at the end of it and be like, okay, so don't talk like that. Talk like <laughs> this. That's me right now. Okay. That's very, that's what I'm trying to ask you about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's very good. Yeah. Because, th so that's why I'm asking about this coffee. Like, why am I, why am I like this? I just never learned. There's something I never learned. Is it learned. a Swedish thing? Like, where, where does it, what, where does it come from? I don't know. No, it's not a Swedish Is thing. It, it's a man thing. It's definitely mostly a man it's thing. entitlement. Do you think you're really smart or something? I was thinking about that yesterday where I was thinking something in the first half of the beginning was, I think I'm really smart, but, and I wish I could remember the second half of the sentence. <laughs> You're not smart enough to remember the but no. of, of that. Ooh. <sighs> no, I get that.
But so I am me and I have a lot of shitty learned behaviors and a lot of it is like man programming. And, and then I have these superiors and coworkers who are like, just really mature, listening, well-developed women, lesbians, mm -hmm. AKA lesbians, <laughs> <laughs> you know, women of some maturity. Yeah. And maybe women loving women. <laughs> yeah. And so, so much of it is me painfully learning to be less, yeah. <clears throat> it's like when you sit and you talk about something and you find yourself talking about it too much or just enjoy, like, just being in a habit of taking up too much space or like maybe the thought you had was medium smart. So maybe it should have a medium amount of space or whatever. When you catch yourself just feeling like I'm sounding condescending or whatever, like the solution isn't just to be less. The solution is to have a slightly more sophisticated, like, to develop something new there. Right. Where you're like, with some nuance, go a little bit, you know, something. Yeah. And, um, yeah. No, my lesson isn't so much that I should just uh, be a little bit less, but it, but it's, um, I'm just hoping that through osmosis, I become a little bit more like the people around me, which is ultimately a positive thing. Mm. Like, it is good to feel like we're surrounded by people that we want to be more like yes 100 percent. and to feel self-loathing that people around you are much better than you at just being in space and interacting with people and stuff it's um right it's really it's sort of self-loathing is really self-serving mm -hmm. and not ultimately helpful and i feel like that's something I'm working on too. Like I've noticed most of the time when I'm apologizing at work or in life profusely saying, mm. I'm sorry all the time. Yeah. And it's like, I know about it. I'm aware of it. I've heard about that stupid book called girl stop apologizing. <laughs> and so many people throughout my life have told me you can stop apologizing and I can go into how I kind of hate that. But at the same time I have noticed Usually it's coming from a selfish, self-serving mm, place of like that. fear and just like, it, yeah, self-loathing. That's I like that. This is a new frame. Like we've had a many frames around your apologizing <laughs> and this is a new one. Yeah. A lot of different ways you can look at it. Yeah. I think the osmosis thing works. I think we all sort of, we take things from every group of people that we're surrounded by. And I feel similarly. I feel like I've really come in contact with some friends and coworkers and people I never thought I would meet, especially in this area. I was really fearful when I moved back here. Um, if the listeners don't know, this is my hometown. Previously on. Yeah. I feel like I've met so many new people who have really shown me great amounts of care and who I have felt actual community with and who have made me feel more accepting of myself and more accepting of the world around me. And I'm just, I just, I feel my heart just like filling up with happiness and well-being at that thought. And um, mm. I think I just need to keep expanding that. Can I rant about this thing for a second, though? Yeah, go for it. 
There was an episode of the podcast where I sort of like retold us how you were over at my house and stuff, and you thought I wasn't being very nice about about it. And then also like when you were a guest on the podcast, um, I didn't say anything nice about you. And it's like, why am I like that? And why, why am I so bad at giving compliments? And I was really, really thinking about this. And I think there's something to it where like, there's something to it where like, I believe that once you get like close with someone, they sort of become a part of you in a weird way where it's almost like weird to compliment them. Hmm. Because they're all, almost like, like it goes back to this weird concept of like when I was 16, I'm, I had this girlfriend for like two years, this German girl. Yeah. And she was, she had this extreme view of how we were one person and how anything embarrassing I did, she was mortified by. If I did something embarrassing in front of her friends, she was just absolutely mortified, which is like a sort of natural thing that everyone feels a little bit, but she felt it a lot and I couldn't even like say hi to people. It was everything about like how I had my hands and how I spoke. And it was like hmm. just very specific and a very extreme version of something that I think I really internalized. And it, one of the things in that thing is that it becomes very weird to give compliments to your partner because you've, you, you, you don't, you more look out at the world. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. No, I get it. Because, yeah, but because I was... Go on. For some reason, it's more prone to like credit, like you, you, with that frame, you criticize your partner, but you don't compliment your partner. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. It is. It feels much simpler and more clear the criticisms that you have for someone, the more well you know them. Yeah. If we're really close and I give you a compliment, there's something weird in my worldview where, like, it almost feels like I'm giving myself a compliment because you're choosing to be friends with me. Hmm. So it's like there's something weird incestuous or, like, <laughs> narcissistic about giving you compliments. That's so weird. Is it? Like, that's – it's – you make giving compliment narcissistic. Like, you've found a roundabout way that giving a compliment is about you. I yeah. think I think you should just embrace that maybe that's sort of wonderful. And like maybe it's great that if you see something good in someone who you are choosing to spend time with and who is choosing to spend time with you, that that's just sort of a beautiful thing. Mm. And it doesn't have to reflect negatively on you that you feel positively about someone in your life, mm -hmm. you know, and telling them that. But I do see where you're coming from. I do. Do you think I'm bad at giving compliments? Yes, absolutely, I do. More than other people? <laughs> yes. I think, I mean, I think a lot of men are terrible at giving compliments. Yeah. So I think it has a little bit of something to do with your gender. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I had this, can I tell another story? Yeah. So I had this weird experience. I told you about it. It was like probably two weeks ago. It's like... <laughs> So at work, chef is always there. Mm -hmm. And it's like this, now I'm really doing the long version, but let's do the long version. It's like, it's so hard to know how a dynamic is going to change until you, like simulating it in your brain is, is hard. And 
the universe removing the gravitational pull of one planetary body in a universe was very different than I was expecting because it's easy for everyone to be like, Chef is really mean and harsh and we wish he was just nicer. But then you remove him and everyone else becomes super mean and you realize that he's doing something. Hmm. Where he's like absorbing a lot of stuff and keeping everyone in check and keeping everyone nice. And it's actually great. And it's really hard to know what he's doing until he's not there. Uniting against a common enemy. So it, powerful. Very, very, it's much, much more sublime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> hard to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so disagreeable. God. <laughs> no, but like he's doing something. No, I hear you. I get it. You're right. But so he went on vacation for two weeks. And what happened was so surprising. And things like really started falling apart. And there was this one specific interaction where I'm just going to tell this whole story with names. So Lilith is this person that I've talked about many times on the podcast. Like, it goes all the way back to the beginning. We all know who Lilith is, yeah. okay? And so Lilith texted me one day. I've never hung out with her uh, at work, outside of work. I've, I don't have her phone number. She sent me a message on Facebook Messenger. And I get the message, and the message is like, can you help me move in one hour? And I happened to be in town, and I happened to be my day off, and I happened to be in a good mood. So I was like, sure. So I just very short notice show up at her house and carry a, transport her bed on my truck. And because, and then I do this nice thing to her. And this is such character. You do this says, nice thing to her? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, that reminds me of this thing me and Doug are doing now. Cause like we were sent all these like, uh, brand analysis document from documents from corporate uh -huh. where we looked up all the people that are helping us all the different brand consultants that are helping our corporation and we looked them up on wikipedia and like their different theories were explained and the most hilarious one to me and doug was like <laughs> there's this guy who used to help um airbnb because they had like an incredible toxic culture problem mm -hmm. and he like turned them around and now we're hiring that guy but so his main thing was like as a as a uh as a supervisor, as a manager, and as a leader, you have to figure out how to like do <laughs> do things with and for people instead of to them. <laughs> and it's like a really funny thing that you can really work into conversation almost any at any point <laughs> when you're like making someone do something. Yeah, you're like, I, I'm I'm doing this with you, not to you. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's such a funny thing, like. Like to imagine a surgeon saying or something as he's like performing <laughs> surgery on you. I'm doing this with you and for you. I'm not doing this to you. <laughs> and then it's also a callback to how, I don't know. Such a fun piece of grammar. Wow. Yeah, Such it is. Such a grammar lesson. And it was and so satisfying lesson. because Doug and me the week before had had something where I kept talking about, what's a preposition? For and with and to are prepositions. Yeah, right? I yeah. think so. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, yeah. God. I think that's what it oh, is. Oh, no. So um, we were talking about them and, and uh, no, I was talking about them and I was being hilarious and no one understood what I was saying. And Doug was just like, we don't know what prepositions are. And it was just such a failure of comedy. And then... 
Ugh. When we got to the, I'm doing this for you and with you, not to you, I could finally be like, those are prepositions. <laughs> All three of, like, that's yeah. on top of, under, inside of. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, I just right. know that. No, it always sounds sexual when you say you're doing something to someone. Yeah. Maybe that's true, too. That's the heart of it. Okay, so I, that's a sidebar within a sidebar. And now I'm going to go to a third sidebar. Okay. Because something funny happened at work where we had a comedy show on Friday. How do I explain this? Somehow it sold out. And all the people that showed up were, like, very country hmm. in that sense of, like, you know, Shane Gillis has this one joke where he's, like, he's from the... He's from the South, and when you're in the South and you're in, like, a bar and you see a guy and he's wearing all camo, everyone's take on that. It's like, damn, that, that guy's, like, trying to fuck tonight. Like, Okay. <laughs> like, that guy is fucking not kidding around. Like, that. he's wearing all camo, bro. That seems like he's trying to be invisible. Like... <laughs> no, but in the South, that means that you're really styling, you know? Oh, okay. You're really flossing. Got it. And it means that you're trying to, like, talk to some women. Okay. Like, that's a real thing you have to culturally translate in your brain, because that um, prima facie, like, at first glance, that does not make sense to to a coastal elite like yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A coastal elite. You follow me? That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? <laughs> you think of me as a coastal elite. And you're like, you feel pretty poor for a coastal elite? I feel so poor. <laughs> I think every day about how much winning the lottery would change my whole life. Yeah, and yeah. when I think about winning the lottery, I'm like, a hundred grand? That would change my whole life forever. Yeah. Yeah, culturally, cultural hegemony didn't really pay off financially for you. but <laughs> Yeah, okay, go on. But... The comedy show was full of those people. People wearing all camo because they were really trying to have a good night. Rednecks. Right. And then the comedians were, I don't know how to explain this, but like the lady who organized the com comedy, she brought in this guy, and I'm going to just say it, he was a black guy, because it's very relevant to every part of the story. Okay. She flew in a black guy from L.A. who had been uh, at the comedy store a lot, like a real fucking comedian. Mm -hmm. And then talking to him, she does this like thing that I find so awkward, but she kept being like, in Sweden, the they have a they, it works. They, they can do free healthcare because it's all white supremacy, because they're all white. What? And it's like, okay. And I just felt like, what? Like, what are you talking about, lady? Oh my God. How do you get there? And how awkward is it to be just because you're talking to a black guy, you got to shit on white people? Like, it just seems That's a little weird. bit on the nose. Yeah. Anyway, and then the black guy goes on stage and he just kept screaming about how, like, I don't see any black people in here. <laughs> because it's the whitest county in California. That's the phrase that kept playing in my head. Whitest county in California. Listening to him. Like, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Like, I. <sighs> yeah. And then he like pointed to someone in the back of the room and was like, you, are you black? <laughs> but he used the N word. And oh then God. the person was like, no, I just have black hair. Whoa. And then um, it was like a very antagonistic vibe. Tense. 
The audience. The audience and like the people organizing it. The organizer and the main comedian are married. Oh. And they had just got out of couples therapy. And she was oversharing about it on stage, trying to do a thing, trying to do a bit that we've seen work. We've seen it on the internet. Okay. That it worked, like it crowd work, just oversharing, talking about recent stuff, talking about today, right. talking about your mental health. Like we've seen it work. People o- believe on this that it podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Okay. Oh God. Sorry. I just maxed out my self loathing there. Oh, I'm so just, like, sorry. Really made it hit red. That's not the point. Okay. It didn't come together. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what are you? What is she talking about? And then here's the ki- here's the thing that I was going to say about it. The next day, a person calls, and it's like, look, that comedy show didn't seem very organized. <laughs> like someone uh, called to complain. Wow. And then they go into the jokes they didn't like. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire to be that petty. <laughs> That's hilarious. They were like, I didn't like when that guy did jokes about his brother who died. Oh, Like, That sounds funny. It does. Yeah, but I wasn't in the room for those jokes. But it's like oh. you're gonna call the hotel <laughs> that has a cocktail lounge in the basement, right? Where someone came in and organized the comedy show. You're gonna call the hotel and tell the hotel it's the hotel's fault that you didn't like the contents of the jokes. <laughs> it's so like you should have vetted your comedians better. Yeah, I find it so amusing. Anyway, do you feel like in another life, like that's you, like you're on stage, being misunderstood, being <laughs> no, no, just like not connecting, oversharing or something. <laughs> like you think that's why it bothers you. Um, <clears throat> what was I saying? I was saying something was a comedy failure, and then I started talking about the comedy thing. What was yeah. I saying before that? I have no clue. And also, I think I might I might need to take a quick break, and then we should drink a water. Are you co-hosting? Are you guest yeah, hosting? Yeah, I'm, I'm guest hosting. So for the first time, it's not me who made the flight. Confidence, drink the feeling. Drink this, and you won't apologize anymore. All right, let's drink the first water here. It's called, it's called, the brand is called Confidence, the flavor is lemon-lime. Oh, Ooh, that's an unfortunate color. <laughs> that is color. a piss color if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a really alarming piss color. Like, ooh, you really haven't had any water today. Oh, no. It smells like gasoline. Oh, oh what is that? God. That is truly horrible. That's one of the worst smells I've ever smelled, but it's not gasoline. Oh. It's a bready Yeasty. It's a moldy, bready thing. Right? Yeah. Okay, let's try it. Okay. Oh. Oh no. Ugh. Wait. Also, it's not sparkling. <laughs> it's not sparkling at all. <laughs> oh my god! I thought it was. Didn't it say? No, it doesn't. It's just a drink. Well, it's a can. Oh god. It's it's triggering like a gag reflex for me. Yeah. Ah. It's like, it's too sweet. It's leaving this like really sickly metallic flavor in my mouth that reminds me of like Ugh. when you have a fever and you wake up from a fever dream and you're like extremely dehydrated. 
and it almost feels like the inside of my mouth is made out of plastic oh my God. because like my brain is so like fevered out. I don't feel confident at all. This is this is what my self-loathing tastes like. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, let's try the other confidence. Yeah, let's let's get on it. So the other brand of confidence is peach ginger. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. It's so funny that in the ingredients, it says fruit and vegetable juice, parenthesis, for color. Like, they, someone, let's smell it. Ooh. It's bad. It's really not. What what does it smell like? Rotting fruit. Yeah, it does smell like peach. Oh, God. The moldy peaches. Yeah. That's what they should have called it. Yeah, they should have. Like, there is something nice in it. But they really messed up, and they I think they put something wrong in there. Yeah, and they couldn't get it out. I feel like I've wronged us. Um, what else did you want to talk about? I feel like I was cutting you off sort of in the middle of when you were returning to another thought. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, here we go. Okay. What I was saying is that, like, Chef went on vacation, and then Lilith texted me and was like, Hey, will you move my... A bed, and so I show up with my truck. I move her bed, and then this weird thing happened, where she got so much meaner to me. Oh, because and not because I shouldn't throw in the word because there because I don't know anything about this. This is just my side of the story, and I don't and I'd be and I don't think it's very close to reality. But like what it looked like for me was like I was nice to her and then she started being so mean to me. And then Chef was on vacation and he wasn't keeping everyone in check. Mm. And it culminated in this one time where like they made forty tacos for everyone who worked there. And then everyone goes and has tacos. And I had like had tacos six hours earlier because I ordered tacos for myself. And then she, uh, Lilith just gets in my face. Everyone's just munching on tacos, being quiet. And she gets in my face and she's screaming at me that I'm not allowed to have tacos because I already had tacos. And she wasn't kidding. She was just like, tacos are for people who haven't had tacos. And it was really like a very sort of young person bullying type vibe. Yeah. And then there's many things that play into it where it's like, she's not in my department. She's not my subordinate. So it, there's a big like, I can't be, I, you're not allowed to like do parenting on someone else's kids in the, in the supermarket. Right. It's really frowned upon to express anything. What, what was that? Oh, I wasn't, I was just raising my eyebrows at you saying yeah. frowned upon. Yeah. But she really, really, really screamed at me in a, the mean, like in a really mean <sighs> sort of, you shouldn't be eating that. It's like, you don't, you, that's for everyone else. And I'm chewing and it's just such a, there's something very vulnerable about eating and having food in your mouth mm -hmm. and, and someone being, I, it's, I'm having a very hard time describing it, but it was like very hurtful and yeah. it was like very humiliating. I'm so sorry. Okay. Hey. I'm not saying it to evoke that emotion. Ugh. I'm just saying But it just, it, it makes me sad. Yeah. No. And I... It feels wrong. Yes. Yes. And then I, I revoke, I go into a very sort of uh, fight, flight, or freeze. I go into a freeze. So I just kept eating and I was like, 
telling her just like calmly being like, Hey, just calm down, just calm down. And then, um, sous chef Josh is such a pro that he did like, I didn't even have to look at him. I didn't even have to like, be like, what's going on here that he just immediately was like, this is completely unprofessional and completely fucked up. And I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything. He just like completely handled it mm -hmm. and handled it super, super well and had like some really, really drawn out, really good conversations with her where he was like really sort of getting to the point of like what is going on here like why are you acting like this and it like involved her like you know breaking down and like being yeah. like yeah i'm having a really horrible day that had but nothing then, to do with you yeah and then like um later she like there was a lot of apologizing and the apologizing wasn't very good and then there was like more conversations about it but then we i saw her outside of work and she just like Gave me this hug and was like, um, started really, really talking about it. What was my point here? She started really explaining how, like, I was having a really bad day. And it was so interesting. I I, I think this, this maybe goes back to you feeling like it was somehow related to you being nice to her. And then she felt like she, what? you? I felt like you were going to say she felt like she had a right to respond to you that way because you were super nice to her i don't i don't yes i mean one rabbit hole here that i would love you to weigh in on or whatever it's like how i enable this stuff because i do enable this stuff and it's like there are all these other people that this doesn't happen to in this context but like when this one person she really like explained to me that she was having a horrible day and i'm like old enough now and I've been in a marriage that was like that long enough that I could really be like, so you felt bad and that comes out of you as abuse towards people outside of yourself. Like right. your bad feeling in your heart comes out at other people. Yeah. And she's like, yes. And then what I was really going to say here is like how everyone is a little bit like that. And you're like the least like that of almost anyone I've ever known. And it's like one of the, like, insofar as I've come up with working definitions of, like, what the concept of evil is or, like, things like that, like, that is one of the closest definitions of, like, what a good person is is someone who, like, without just being a victim can, like, feel bad themselves and, like, not pass it on to people and how you are, like, you do that better than anyone. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, being a big person is someone who can, like, um, being a good person and being a big person is like someone who can like see other people's pain and like, just like really sort of slow them down to when they can see it themselves and have help them work through it and stuff. Mm. And instead of just like reacting with like more pain going back, like just being angry back or whatever. And so I really don't think I'm very good at any of this. And I don't, and I'm, so stuck in some state of like enabling it hmm. and i'm so it's like top three things i would like to figure out because there's something where people that do this thing of like they have they have up they're having a day Mm -hmm. And then they take it out on people around them. They like do it in an exploratory way with everyone. And then some people react in a way that like works in an abuse dynamic and it like works for them. And it like 
comes out good. And then that something like I'm so fascinated by invisible signaling that we do that we're not inver- uh, um, aware of. Yeah. And I do some sort of invisible signaling that I'm not aware of at all when it comes to this. Where like I give people what they want there. Hmm. And so yeah, part partly this is me licking my wounds and like being like that. But really, I mean it's not it it's really I'm sounding super martyry about it, but really it's like it wasn't really allowed to fester and it didn't really get that big, but it was like someone really blowing up in my face and having a really big thing for themselves and then it not really like it didn't have to be I mean she hurt my feelings. Yeah. But but it was like I'm really just kind of being sensitive and annoying in so far no, as it really No. Well, okay. That's <laughs> No. I I really think that it, it is it's deeply meaningful that you did not explode back and it just shows you are acting your age. Like she she's what a couple years younger than me probably, right? In her early yeah, 20s. Yeah, somewhere in her mid 20s. Right. Oh god. <laughs> like um, low early 20s probably. Yeah. Um does she listen to the podcast? No. She's tried, but no. Too boring. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, no, I feel like that is super meaningful. And there have been numerous times where I feel like I have had situations at that like that at work where I'm getting frustrated about something. And I've, I've never yelled at a colleague or um, had an explosive argument or told someone they shouldn't be doing something. So I haven't quite had that level of interaction. My versions of that all feel very micro. But mm. whenever I have, I feel like I'm always met with more intensity than I was giving. And it's it feels almost traumatic. Explain like, that a little bit more. Uh, you feel like someone is being like borderline abuse just borderline abusive yeah yeah. like and then you react with what and then they keep going i react with defensiveness or frustration or like maybe a little bit of like i'm matching your tone and it's not okay for you to talk to me like that without saying those words explicitly and then they just respond with even more force and i feel like you could have done that in that situation you could have made it a fireable offense you could have and i basically have had Okay, I shouldn't go into that right now. <laughs> um, but, it's so funny and sensitive. Oh, it's so sensitive. But um, God, I wish we could just talk about I know, whatever. I know, but but in any relationship too, I think when someone is coming at you with the full force of their emotions, the full force of whatever it was that made her feel like you were the problem in the moment it's really easy to turn around and just try to meet that energy. Uh, I think that we're pretty inclined to do that as human beings. We want to meet each other's energy. We want to meet each other's tones of voice. And, you know, we mirror each other's body language when we care about people and when we respect people. And I think you did the absolute right thing Mm. in not responding. And just calmly reacting Mm. But it does seem like you've internalized it. And I I feel like there's maybe a level of balance that we could come to here where, I don't know, it's not cool that she did that. And I, it's bringing up feeling like trauma that you've experienced, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. 
I don't, yeah, it's weird. Because I do want to frame it as like, it's an interesting question to be like, how should we react? Right. Like that is the most interesting question to me. It's like not, it's very un- deeply unsatisfying. The yeah. thing of just like, you should just reframe it as like, hey, 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 what's going on? Like, whoa. She's probably on her period. Yeah, that's what I should have said. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I should have said. It's funny because that's such a typical misogynistic like thing to say, yeah. but it's so true so much of the time. Yeah. Like whenever I've gotten into really big conflicts at work or like really tense things, it's always when I'm PMSing. Mm. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that's what it is. Yeah. And then... Sure yeah, enough. no, it's funny. And it's like one of those things that's like, on a surface level, people weaponize it and say it in this like deeply infuriating way. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, you have to like not say it because it's like not a nice thing to say. But then at the very deepest level, it comes back. And it's like, with Lilith specifically, she's also this like wonderfully transparent, open, pure soul that will like come up to me and just give me a hug and just like bury her face in my chest and be like, I feel so horrible right now. I just want my period to come. Yeah. Like I'm just, I just, and, and it's like such a weirdly, like such a weird, like we have such a weird relationship. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like Yeah. I've heard you say you wanted to marry her when you first saw her. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it like... started with like a weird thing where I didn't realize that she was like, 12 years like, <laughs> that she's like 23 and i'm 35 yeah like i didn't realize how young she was because she has really like sort of prison lunch lady energy <laughs> <laughs> prison cafeteria uh ladling up slop <laughs> on a metal tray lunch lady energy yeah nourishing <laughs> which is like not a young person and that's mean. not young girl energy right it's like really rough around the edges like um What's those tattoos that you just do yourself with, like, something sharp? Stick and poke. Yeah, real stick and poke energy. (laughs) And so, yeah. So that's, like, the first Lilith stories. But then it's just developed into, like, a deeply weird... um, It's very weird. I love this topic, and I love that this started as you trying to give me a compliment. (laughs) And I want to say that was a really nice compliment at the beginning there, so thank you, and I absorbed it, so. In a way, I don't think, I think I am incredibly incapable of giving simple, quick compliments, and those are, like, very... They're superficial. Yeah, but they're also free... And they're useful, and I would really love to learn how to do it, because it's not, they're not completely without basis. Yeah. But so instead, I opt for this, like, really sort of, like, compliment of your entire psychological model (laughs) thing, which is, like, so convoluted. cerebral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called me cerebral and didn't know what that meant. Um, yeah. And that's, like, not that great. Yeah. Because it's so convoluted. Just want to be called pretty, you know? Yeah. 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 I think you're very pretty, and I think you're very smart, and I think you're probably extremely good at your job, and I think you're very hard on yourself. Thanks. 
And yeah, didn't you say my <clears throat> boss came in and was raving about me? Yes. Last week? Yes, wow. Your boss came in and said you were absolutely killing it. Wow. It's true. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. your compliments. I got to boost up my ego a little bit right now because I'm going to be working in the next five days, like probably 60 hours, and it's going to be crazy, but I'm excited about it. And I'm just going to project my ness out. You're going to drink the feeling? I'm going to drink the feeling. I just watched um, Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah. Did you watch that? Yeah. It's a three-part Netflix documentary series. I haven't finished it, but it's like, it's similar to the Fire Festival documentary. It's just like about a festival that doesn't go well. It's um, it's interesting. It's as a sort of, like I sort of work in event organizing. It's like, I have a lot of sympathy for how, like it's hard to do a, a an event with like a hundred guests, right? And where doing a one off, where you're doing it with a team of people that don't usually work together, like people have no like that's so hard. And then you want to do a thing where two hundred thousand people show up, and you think that's going to go well? Like it's almost impossible. Terrifying. Yeah, I think we both have like a little bit of a anxiety about the lack of control thing. Yeah. When it comes to events, especially. Um, I had specifically really wanted to ask you if mm -hmm. you had any, like, interesting wedding stories that you haven't shared yet. Because I just think it's such a fascinating spectacle. Yeah. In this moment, only, like, sort of good things come to mind. Good. Um, like, I had one funny thing recently where, like, I... I was reading our reviews on the internet, and there was a review by Zach A. Do you know what I what I think when I see Zach A? Chef Zach. Yeah, exactly. The chef, his name is Zach, and his last name is Aaron Holtz. Oh. So Zach A, I was like, oh, chef wrote a review about us? <laughs> That's a little bit like something we can do, but it's a little bit lame. And then I read it, and I realize, oh, it's not him. It's just someone named Zach A. Mm -hmm. And then I click him, and he wrote, like, all these different reviews of us. Mm -hmm. And then I realize it's a fucking guy that got married, and I organized his goddamn wedding. Aww. It's a fucking they guy. Say? I know who it is. What do you say? And then I read the review, and in the review, it like he calls me out, and he's like, Joachim. Parenthesis, I hope I'm spelling that right. And he spelled it right. <laughs> wow. He's like, Joe Kim was our point person throughout, and he made our entire wedding so perfect, and he remained so warm and professional, even at the later part when I was a little bit drunk. <laughs> and it was like this very emotional thing for me because it was the first wedding I uh, was the in, in, responsible for. Yeah. And I remember telling them that, and it was just like this very, very unprofessional mm. thing where like, we're all just out here admitting to our human side mm. of what this really means to us, not in a actual, like, cause it's a very raw experience for them. Right. Cause they are young people who's, who are getting married for the first time. And then you you get hit up by people who are like, yeah, for my last wedding, I I paid ten grand to this thing, and it's like, 
And then they were like, ex- they're extremely jaded. Mm-hmm. And that's a funny thing. And that's very easy to deal with because those people don't care very much anymore. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you got called out in such a positive way. Yeah, no, I even have like a four pages, a BEO is what it's called. It's It stands for Banquet Event Order. Mm. And it's like the ling- the the industry lingo for the contract where you write down all the specs of specs of the event, and everyone signs it, and then you agree that this is what it's going to be. So you have to stick to it, and it includes like the timing and what the product is, like what the food and beverage is, and like if they're paying for audiovisual equipment and what will be set up, and it's like the red rug has to be taken out of the room because it clashes with the color theme of the event and then if you don't pull the red rug they pull out the contract and it's like mm. look in the BEO it says this so it's like this extremely sterile document that's mm-hmm. really boring and this one was like four pages stapled together and I kept Zach's BEO in a drawer for my scrapbook Oh, because I felt like it was such a it was like this deeply emotional. It's so interesting. You don't have a scrapbook. I don't have a scrapbook. Oh, I don't have a scrapbook. <laughs> I don't. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't have a scrapbook, huh? Okay, so I have the most scrapbook. I scrapbook everything. What? I scrapbook absolutely everything. Where? Where's your? Where are your scrapbooks? Yeah, it's big tubs of yellow Manila oh. envelopes. Of every stub from everything I've ever done. Oh my god, we should make actual scrapbooks. Yeah, but then I feel like a scrapbook, then you can't go back, because now you've glued it onto something. Well, okay. What if you want to look at the back of it? You know, I'm sorry, this is sort of... I started, like, saving paper for when we were together. Like, I have, like, the movie stubs from mo- the movies we've seen, and, like, the hotel room keys and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make something, like, really cute with this. And it all fell out of my purse one time. And you were like, oh, you're going to make a scrapbook. And I just... <laughs> I made I just, fun of you? Yeah. And this is such a full circle moment for me, so... Because you thought I was making fun of you like your feelings should be hurt. <laughs> yeah, like, like, oh, that's really weird and creepy that you're keeping all that paper <laughs> and stuff. Well, it's kind of weird to carry it around. Well, it was, I didn't have anywhere else to put it, and it was all accumulating over four months or something, so. But anyway, that's so sweet. I love that you got that nice review, and that you kept it. Uh, You're so good at saying just nice things. Did you, were you programmed to do that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or did you teach yourself how to do that? I mean, both. It's been like a learning process, but it's also, I mean, it was part of the sort of education I grew up with. It's really best to speak kindly about yourself and others. And that I think that that was a philosophy that was definitely instilled in me from a young age. Yeah, I'm very confused by it. I'm so disappointed. Like, I'm so sad and bothered that... I have such a strong um, skeptic, like that, that I'm so programmed to be contrarian and to be um, skeptical of positivity. Hmm. And it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's so unfortunate. It's the icy 
water, the lake water in your veins. Yeah, it's like such a negative reaction to... What's the... Sorry. What's the real antagonist in your book? What's what's that called again? Oh, yeah. The Swimmer Below. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's that. It's... um. Such a good book. Wow. Yeah, such a great book. It's interesting. One concept that I find interesting that I've been thinking about, speaking of that and this, is like Lilith can't listen to the podcast because I frequently talk about Lilith. Mm-hmm. There's something there. There's some concept there where like the people that art is about cannot enjoy art. And then the very, very few exceptions are really stand out to me because it's so much like like so many times when I was trying to do stuff like writing I would write about my best friend Sebastian and then I would give him the writing and he had this way of treating it like I would give him but it was this is not something that actually happened but as a (laughs) metaphor it's like I would give him a piece of paper with writing on it and he would look at it and he would just see a blank white piece of paper like that's (laughs) how he experienced it yeah and I find that so fascinating. And one of the very, very few exceptions happened a few days ago where, like, I wrote this book and one of the characters is named Yang Rui. And it's based on a friend of mine whose name is Yang Rui. And it's just, that's just his name. And everything about him in the book is just what he's really like. And somehow, because I sent his wife a copy of my novel, he is now reading it, and he sent me a screenshot of the part about him. Oh. And he was like, why? <laughs> He's like, why is it like this? And, <laughs> and it's like such a steeply strange, very, very interesting thing that like makes – that is so much more meaningful than um, compliments or something. Where you like – you really get to the point where you like in art try to describe someone. Hmm. And then they, um, uh, they like take it in and then they try to comment on it. It's like a very, very nice, mm, I, very nice process. I just have to say I'm relating because, uh, like what, maybe two, like a month ago or something, I sent you a couple of poems that I had written because I wanted to submit to this chat book contest thing. Yeah. And I really wanted your opinion on it. And I was debating like, oh, should I include this one sort of about you and this experience? And then I was like, oh, no, like, that's really cringy. Mm. And that's really gross. And I can't do that. Mm. So I just I took it out. And um, oh, and you never sent it to me? No, you didn't. No. Interesting. Because I was going to be like, I didn't understand which one that was. No, no, I never never sent sent it to you. Hmm. No, none of them were about you. And I th- I do think it's really, it's a vulnerable thing to put work out there. Like, I don't, I don't know that I feel like I can publish anything that I've written while my family members are still alive, especially my parents. Like a hmm. lot of what I've written relates to my parents. And maybe that's just a really juvenile, like processing your childhood sort of thing. Um, Alexa, turn the fridge off. Relates to my parents or or this relationship that I once had and 
I don't think I've ever really written a love poem. Like, I don't know that anything I've ever written has really just been positive and loving, and I'm not sure how you do that. But um, I just feel like it, it. there's something that requires such reverence and respect and fearlessness to share something that you've written about someone that features someone's identity with them. Mm. I don't know how you do that. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, for me specifically, I think it's something about narcissism where I'm just like, I'm just so self-important that <laughs> what I do completely supersedes right. anyone's. Because they he, <laughs> Ray <laughs> specifically throughout the years, many times told me that I wasn't allowed to include him. <laughs> like he's told me that Keep so many times. off the record. What? Keep it off the record. Yeah. Don't put me in there. Yeah, like he... Like me yesterday when I came over and poured boiling water all over my lap and thought I should have told you not to talk about it on your podcast. Yeah, but, but, but you figured it was implied. Yeah. Because obviously you wanted it <laughs> off the record. Oh. Okay, it's 6.30. You have to leave. Well, I feel like that's a little bit of an unnatural. I can be a little bit late. Sorry, Monique. So, hey... I love you. Yeah, no, no. I really love you too. And like, Aww. you're extremely important to me and you're one of my best friends. And I, as soon as I figure out how to give people compliments, I'll give you one. Thanks. You're one you know? of my best friends too. It's just so funny. Like Stephanie at work recently, just a few days ago, hit me up and was like, you really don't know how to give people compliments. And it's like, people always tell me this. And then you, on the same day, were like, you didn't say anything nice about You've never said anything nice about me, ever. That's not true. No, I misunderstood what you said. That's not what you said. <sighs> no, you've said a lot of nice things about me. Once you said that you cherished me, which mm. I don't think anyone has ever said about me. Mm. So should we drink our last water? Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah, give me the water. So third water that you brought here, mango-flavored hop water, sparkling hop water. I have had this before. Have you? You've had this one. I don't right? think so. I don't know. Never? Have you only had the blood orange hop water? Is that? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's good, that stuff. It's a good bubble. Mr. Good Bubble. Is that something? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Mr. Thanks. Good Bubble. Cheers. Let's smell it. Oh, yeah, that smells really nice. Amazing. Why? It's, you know, it kind of smells like a, um, like a gummy, like a, mm -hmm. it, <sighs> it's mango flavored hot water, but it smells a lot like apple cider to me. Yeah. Like the cider, cider can have this like earthy bitterness to it. There's, you know, hot water always has a little bit of the grassy thing going mm -hmm. on, I think, right? Yeah. That's the hop. Speaking. Yeah. A little bit of funk. But it's such, it mingles so nicely. Yeah. It feels really adult. Ooh, very light. I like that it kind of makes me feel like I'm like biting the inside of my cheek. Mm. Like that's sort of the vibe I get from it. It's like an 8 out of 10. It's good. I'll give it, I'll give it an 8.6 out of 10. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. A guest host? Yeah. 
Thank you for guest hosting the podcast. Thank you for listening to This Week in Sparkling Water. All right. No. No what? Can't end it there. I was watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind when I was Mm -hmm. feeling really depressed Mm -hmm. the other day. That brand of just, like, loving someone, even if you know it's probably not going to work out, I think is very powerful. Oh, there's so many beautiful ideas in there. Yeah. In that movie and in that and stuff. I love the line where... um, I've watched it many times and I love it. And it's like Kirsten Dunst, is that her name? She has like crazy hair colors. And then he asks. Oh, what? no, not Kirsten Dunst. That's, um, Kirsten Dunst is the assistant. <laughs> and, <laughs> um. Is she in the movie? Yeah, she's in the movie. Oh. But but she's not the crazy hair color one. That's Kate Winslet okay. from the Titanic. Kate Winslet from the Titanic. Who look? she's like ugly, but she, they make her, it's so interesting how in movies they can make people ugly in a way where you look at them and you feel like you're the only one that can see that they're beautiful. Why do you think Kate Winslet is ugly? No, but I don't, but, but I look at her and I think they, they have a way of doing it where they, they dress them up in a burlap sack or yeah, something yeah. so that you look at them and you feel like... The orange sweatshirt. Yeah, you feel Ugh. like I'm the only one who can see that she's beautiful. And yeah. that makes it more poetic. Because Powerful. If it, because it feels too much like, oh, I'm just looking at Kendall Jenner here. Yeah. And she has no ass, but shake those bones, you know? <laughs> it's like, then you feel like, oh, everyone likes this person, so I'm revolted by it. Yeah. But um, but I love the part where she has crazy hair colors, and then he's like, "What's the name of that color?" And then they they talk about what's the hair colors, yeah, and the hair, and ooh, it'd be cool to be the guy coming up with the names for the hair colors. And I love that. In this one time at work, Mason, one of the line cooks, um, he probably a they pronoun on Mason. Um, they they had this hair color and and dyed hair and i'm like out there and i'm like mason what what's the name of this hair color and mason looks at me and goes red (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me because it's like we're i don't know are we both referencing eternal sunshine (laughs) and is mason making fun of me because it's just red yeah it's like it's not you know Midnight over the Caribbean, or right, like sunset right. over the Caribbean, yeah. and it's not cinnamon stick. Like, it's not cinnamon stick. It's yeah. not burnt umber. Right. Mason just looks at me and goes, "Red." Yeah, it's just. I just think that's such a funny. I hope that's a callback to that movie. That's really sweet. It's interesting. It's interesting how hard it is to express emotion, like. I feel so bad, but there's no way of saying that. There's no way of saying that. Why do you feel bad? Uh, probably because I work too much and don't sleep enough or something. No, I don't know why. Just because I just, that's just how I feel. Because you're lonely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Now you have to go have a Galentine's. I think we should go smoke a cigarette first. I'll consider it. Okay. I got a birria in the fridge Ooh. from work, just a sous vide short rib. Ooh. 
And I got some croissants from Safeway and some sliced I cheese. I am starving, and yeah. my stomach has been screaming at me this whole time. Okay. So. So, yeah. So, let's have some food. Okay. Okay, I'm going to make you a croissant with some meat in it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's unconventional for you people, but it's not. You people. Yeah. You people are wrong about a lot of things. Thanks for listening, everyone. I love you guys. I love you, Maddie. I love you. Are you going to listen to this episode? <laughs> I don't know if I can. I'll try. Hmm.